Hey, Will Taylor here, and you're listening to the Whiskey Culture Podcast. Here's your host, Greg Sinadinos. Today, I am joined by Alan Laws of Laws Whiskey House. Pretty excited. Another thing out up north, Denver, Colorado. Um, I know a lot of people, and if anybody reads the articles that I write, which I hope somebody does at some point, we, uh, we've gone over how a lot of this bourbon, uh, you know, people have this misconception that bourbon can only be made uh, in Kentucky, which is not the case. It can be made anywhere in the U.S. And while uh, Kentucky has a good uh, variation of temperatures, so do other places uh, throughout the country. Other places have some unique characteristics that we don't get in Kentucky, just like Kentucky has unique characteristics. And we're starting to see a lot of really good bourbon come out of uh, just a wide variety of areas. So I am uh, very, very excited to have you on, Alan. Thank you for coming uh, here and meeting with us. Thanks for having me. All right, my friend. So let's just get right into the meat of this. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started. Um, how did you get started here with Laws and, and uh, how, how did this whole thing come about? Sure, I could tell you a you know story about passion for whiskey, and uh, but I'm not going to use that word. I'm going to use obsessed. So I'm a whiskey obsessed person that at one point decided that I wondered if I could make my own whiskey from all the amazing whiskeys that I've had and tried, and could I put together something that uh, you know has all the elements of what I'm looking for in in whiskey. So that's how it started out, and I started drinking whiskey when I was like 16, and it's kind of really what I drank. And I grew up in Canada, so don't. <laughs> don't judge too much on that. It's pretty a lot more liberal up there for the, for this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it started out with Jack Daniels, and I've uh, drank my way through a number of different uh, types of whiskey, and and bourbon's pretty much my favorite, and rye whiskey is being Canadian is pretty important to me too. So started out as like a small journey towards something, and could you do it was the first question. And you know, I spent a lot of time in I was in oil and gas finance for a very long time, and um, I was burned out on that and didn't want to die at my desk. And I wanted to do something where I used my hands and made something. And, uh, it, you know, got, got to a point where I'm like, can I do this? And spent about, I'm going to say like four to five years in reading everything under the rainbow and learning a whole bunch about technicals. I was I'm from oil, oil and gas and oil services in particular. There's a lot of technicals there <laughs> anyway. So that fit in quite well on the equipment side. And then, you know, started out on how do I go and do this? And, and, so I took a trip to Kentucky to see how it's done on big scale. And I met a great guy who was retired and he was my Yoda and taught me how to like put some of the soul in it. I could tell you everything and everything about why I was doing something. I didn't even show you a formula. And he just looked at me like, son, <laughs> this business is built by people with a grade eight education. You don't be needing no bringing no formula into this. <laughs> and I love the Yoda reference because I'm a total Star Wars buff. So, oh, perfect. Well, anyone who's <laughs> ever met me knows that in like the first time. <laughs> well, and it's a real good um, description too because he never answered a question without another question ever. He never let me, he didn't just tell me stuff. He'd, he'd ask, Well, what do you think? I'm like, I think this. He goes, Well, what, what about this? I'm like, Well, if I had that, I would think this. So, it was a great learning experience. And, and you know, come back to, I used to work in New York and Brooklyn and I uh, moved to Colorado and we were looking to do this in, in New York, actually, thank God we moved out. <laughs> it would be so much more expensive to do what we do now there. And we wouldn't be able to do 
all the cool things that we do uh, out here in, in Denver that I would have been, you know, had been restricted to do that in, in New York. Um, so, you know, we came out here and looked for a place and started, uh, you know, building out the distillery and getting the permits to do it. Um, pretty exciting time. We run on a 500 gallon system. We just got a new still last week, actually. It's a 2000 gallon, which we won't be able to hook up for three or four months given permits. But our whole idea was to make whiskey. I don't make any white spirits. We don't make, you know, anything that doesn't need a barrel to age. And we were going to do it in a way that will pay homage to the fact that, you know, Bill, Bill Friel, my, my Yoda, um, said, you know, I'm not going to help you unless you're going to do it the right way. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do it the right way. We're not taking any shortcuts. Well, you know, it's really cool that really just uh, so you guys sent me a couple of samples here to to check out. And um, one of the things that struck me right off the bat is just the care that went into even these samples, because, you know, I got to say, I, you know, I, I do a lot of samples. I do a lot of reviews um, and I get a lot of these in. And, you know, if somebody sends me a sample, I you know, it's it's a little two milliliter bottle with a label slapped on it. And like, you guys have these, yeah. these like pre-done samplers with, you know, with the foil and they match the bottle and there's etching and that detail that you're seeing there goes into the whiskey. And so the whiskey deserves to go into cool bottles and everything else that, that go around our branding because we care enough about those things. Every single thing we care about from where the grain comes from, who grew the grain is a big deal to us. Um, where the glass comes from, we go see our bottles get made. Just, just because if you don't, <laughs> um, there's all these things that really do matter. And and you know, no shortcuts is a like a trademark thing for me. It's on my arm. <laughs> there are no shortcuts. <laughs> like <laughs> well, that is a motto to live by. So when I put that hashtag no shortcuts, I mean yeah. that was that was some serious stuff right there. It's real, and that's not just me. We we have a village of people that make this. This is how we describe what we do. We don't even have a head distiller because our production team, my production team, if you run the equipment, you are the head distiller, you're accountable to everybody. So that's the culture that we have at Laws Whiskey House. It's accountability culture and about quality. And we care about every little element that goes into our process. And it's a, it's a rewarding thing when you, when you do it that way. We didn't sell a bottle of whiskey for three and a half years. We made whiskey for three and a half before we sold our first bottle. And we've been selling it now for, we're in our seventh year. So we're almost, we're nine and a half years old right now. So we started on July 4th, 2011, born on the 4th of July, like a good Canadian. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we've been going since then. And, you know, we've been progressively raising the bar on ourselves. Question we often get is things like, well, what's your best whiskey ever made? And like, well, we made it actually today. I don't, I don't mean that as a funny little quib. It's true. Every time we make something, we make it better. And we've been able to, to improve even on the things that we thought were great. We keep getting better. What's the first one you want to try? So I, I actually, uh, I went ahead and took the liberty of pouring the four grain straight bourbon, the two year. So I have that with me here as well. And you'll have this in your, uh, you, you, it's most likely batch 20 that's in it. And this is what this one is. You know, it's interesting on the nose when you get something that's so incredibly young, right? I, you know, I get uh, none of that, that ethanol sweet corn type of, of yeah. it's all, I mean, it's almost like a, so I'm used to that ethanol corn, but this is almost like a, like a creamed corn. 
Yeah, so this is um, a four grain recipe. So we started out with this, it's our flagship. And we make, and the reason here is I wanted a, I wanted not just a weeded bourbon or a high rye. I wanted all three, I wanted them all. I wanted to have it all in every sip. And in this, this took a while to, to perfect, but in every sip, you're going to get all four American mother grains. The sweetness of the corn is right there at the beginning, but we use only 60% corn. So it's going to have more flavored grains in it, and it's going to be a little drier than most bourbon. And we're not trying to make Kentucky bourbon. They make it awesome. I'm trying to make something different here, and I want to bring all those grain flavors forward. The next part of the sip, you should probably get the little bit of a bite, which is kind of penny metallic, I would call it. And it's, it's yeah. the rye, right? That's the rye. And then it should roll over into kind of like rising bread dough, very doughy. And that's the wheat. We use a white wheat. It's a, uh, it's an heirloom variety grown. Yeah, I get, I get that. It's, all, it's almost like, um, you know what it reminds me of? And this is kind of, if I hope this is not offensive to you guys in any way, but it, it is meant as the greatest of compliments. It reminds me of that, the dough that you get from uh, Mellow Mushroom. I don't know if you if you guys have a mellow mushroom up there, but they down here in the south we've got this like organic pizza place. Like it, it's a holistic, organic, you know, all of the top quality ingredients. That nice organic, like rich, doughy taste to it in like the best way. <laughs> we we call it more like a cinnamon bun rising in the kitchen with butter on it because it has all those baking spice notes too that come through yeah. like cardamom, cinnamon. Those are all there. And the finish should be really nutty. Once you have a couple sips, you'll get the nuttiness, like hazelnuts or walnuts. So obviously the sweetness is corn. The rye is giving it the bite and that rye kind of, you know, sarsaparilla kind of notes to it and the, and the um, like the saltiness. And then the, the wheat is a big player in this. And this is like 20% wheat. So 60% corn, 10 rye, 10, 20 wheat, and 10 barley. And all three of the flavor grains are heirloom variety, only grown here. So we're using like scarlet barley, and we're using centennial white wheat, and we're using SLV rye that's only grown in San Luis Valley, and it's, you know, for like 75 years. And it's a very distinctive winter rye. But all those flavors come through in every sip. That's what a four grain should be. Our beginnings, we had trouble with that because the rye, even at 10%, would take over the flavor profile. It's a bully grain. It's, it's, you know, what rise are, they're really strong. And so we had to tame that. We did that through the cooking technique more so than, than by reducing it in the, in the recipe. Cause we use an inverted step infusion method when we, when we, uh, when we cook stuff too. So we go up to high temps and reduce temp and add the grains where they maximize their flavor profile. It's like an, in, it's like a beer technique, but it's an inversion of that. And again, we're looking for grain flavor. We want to, we want to taste the grains. We want you to have a distinctive flavors here with a, with highlights of wood. And we don't use small barrels. We only use large format, 53 gallon barrels, char threes. Those are our primary. We kind of trickled in some, some kind of wave stave independence, independent stave things that we haven't put out yet, but it's adding an extra little layer of coconut is what we're looking for in those barrels. And those will make their way into our, our batch recipes here. Well, in our batch uh, bottlings, I guess is how I should say that, in the next year. Those are now hitting the three, three and a half years. I know those bottles that you have, they'll say aged at least two years on them. Um, we do that just because that's the TTB standard, but there's nothing in there that isn't at least three and a half years old. In fact, 
the ones in the like the wheat and the the wheat and the malt ones that we put out in a four pack are actually four years old and they're the same whiskey we use in our bonded wheat and our bonded uh, uh, malt whiskey. It's just it's a way to put high quality in your hand in a small format so that you're not you know when you're making an investment in a premium whiskey, make sure you like it. And those bottles we gave you, those were pretty good, right? Like they're 100 mil, so you get two full-size drinks out of them. Well, that's excellent, man. Let's move on to this rye, which I'm kind of excited to try. Mm -hmm. I tried my hardest to, to wait for this, and uh, I, I did. And I'm kind of wishing I'd dove into it sooner. <laughs> so our rye whiskey is, well, it does really well if you care about competitions and things like that. And in the World Whiskey Awards, we often, we, we definitely, we end up really high. We've won the world's best rye a couple years ago, and we've won the American category under 11 years old a couple times. Um, there's no other rye like this. It's a heavy rye, and it's got super amounts of, of flavor. And this is all the elements of a good rye, right? It's got saltiness. It's got the, the peppery notes. But our peppery notes aren't like cracked, cracked pepper, white pepper, black pepper, you know, those when you're cracking it over, over your food and stuff, it's not as peppery that way. It's more like Serrano. We're in the middle of the country, kind of Southwest and where this rye grows, um, it's picking up a lot of the elements of the, of the soil it's grown in and it gives it that nice radiant heat, radiant peppery notes. It's like Serrano pepper. And we think that's one of the best elements of it. And then, you know, you'll get the rest of the caramel -y kind of flavors, the salt, the more like salt caramel but has all the things, the heat. Best part about a rise, by the third sip, you can start to loosen your collar a little. And then by the end of the first glass, you can feel it in your heartbeat. <laughs> it's like the uh, the um, the symbiote in Spider-Man just gets on you. And But it's uh, all, it's not, this is the ones you're drinking are 95.5 and that's, so that's early. So it's about four years old. That's what's in it. And the, the batches we have out now are 100%. And we've used 5% barley in the past when we were starting out to make sure that we got the conversions in the, basically when you're, when you're mashing and cooking, you're making a starch pudding and you need the, the malts to turn that starch into sugar. And so we're, we've used malt and a little bit of malt in the past, but of the rye proportion, it's actually half malted rye as well. So it's malted rye and raw rye. Hmm. So that gives in, giving it a really cool, I think, long finish. And it pops the sweetness a little bit too. I, I do have to say, this is, I mean, for for the amount of time that it's aged, this rye is phenomenal. Thank you. It is, I mean, I, I see the malted rye in there. I see, I mean, it, so there. I I tell people there's there's really three kinds of rye, and in my opinion, there's three main categories of rye, and I. I there are people that will swear by it, and there are people that just completely disagree with me, and I'm cool either way. <laughs> but there's there's earthy rise, hmm? spice like spicy rise, spiced rise, and then there's funky rise. Those are the three. It kind of exists in the middle of of the complex, which is it's interesting because I normally see a rye pull one way. The older the rye is, the more it starts to kind of wiggle towards the funky side. Uh huh. Um, but this is, I mean, this is, this is really balanced. Uh, if you had, if you had blind picked me or, or you know, not <laughs> me this bottle and told me, go ahead and give me an age, I would have said, I would have said five, you know, 
four or five years, five years, it, it really reminds me of the same age, uh, the same age level as a lot of the the five year old elks. Like just just when it comes to how much of that rye is given way to age and kind of mellowed it, and uh, it's incredible that you guys are doing this in what is it like two to two to three years, and you're making it taste five years plus. Well, what you're, we have a two year version that's for on premise. It's uh, for cocktail. Oh, okay. And, and then we have our, our regular batch rye, which I have one sitting here. Um, the six it's four years old and it was over, we call it over three, but it's basically everything's over four years old. And then there's the bonded rye, which is over six years old. Oh, I got that one here too. Oh, that one's you. you oh, you, is that already empty? <laughs> no, it's actually, I just oh. opened it. Oh, okay. Was, like the way it, it turned there, like, oh, it's already gone. No, hold the. On, hold on, I'll be with you in a second. <laughs> but the bonded rye is going to start to do, you're going to get a lot more barrel influence on it, but it definitely pulls in some of the high notes. And those high notes bring it to more in balance. It gets more integrated, is the word I use. And there's not a lot like it. It's it, as, a, as a standalone whiskey, whether it's rye, bourbon or anything, it's a really high quality whiskey. And then it happens to be made from, from rye. And, and like I said, this rye varietal that we're using is, is very distinctive. And it's, you know, then the farmers who grow it, grow it just for us. So they've just harvested like last month, they finished actually it's probably two months ago now, 600,000 pounds of it that we have to get through this coming year. Man, that is crazy. That does not drink at 100 proof. And no, that's another thing, too. Most of our whiskeys are all, we don't put anything out at 80. So everything's higher proof, 95 plus typically. And they don't taste like that. So they can be pretty dangerous. I have right here with me. So I'm going to have another sip of because one of our our staff, um, our longtime members, uh, it's his rye barrel. So and it's a, it's over six years old and it's it's cast strength and this stuff you would think at you know 130 proof that it would you know take the barn doors off but it doesn't it sits sits really nice and but you can't do you can't get through the second glass very quickly it's a beautiful rod you know what's so crazy stuff. about this this 100 proof is that i mean it drinks closer to i would say a 90 you know, it drinks closer to a 90 proof, maybe even less. I mean, it's smoother. It's like it's like drinking a really smooth 90. Um, but it doesn't sacrifice on flavor. It's got a lot of uh, you know, even even with the rye, it's got a it's got a little bit more rye spice, but not spicy than than the one that I tried before. But it, it's more of that like a, a little bit of a more bold rye spice, but you get a lot of that earthiness to it and, and a lot of like almost like a like a malty caramel sweetness. It's salted caramel. Yeah, salted caramel. That would be it. I mean, uh, you smell it, and it's it smells like like you know something I would get at you know Disney holiday, some Disney <laughs> holiday confection. And it is freaking good, man. Yeah, it has the heat. It's got the mint notes. It's got the the anise, the licorice, sarsaparilla. Sometimes you could, but it has I mean, all those notes. Sarsaparilla for sure. Yeah. A little bit of like that star anise black licorice, but like in an undertone of it. It's not overpowering. No. So it's um. So the rye is is uh. I guess you call it our secondary 
flagship and it's the one that is the most distinctive and it's the one that we shock the most people with when they try it. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. yeah, this is, and we're pretty proud of that. And it's, you know, the four year version, the six year version, and then cast strength are the three that are the the prime, the, the way we look at, it. we put out a, an experiential one just this last month. There's a few cases, maybe 20 cases left. That was rye whiskey finished in a Colorado um, uh, malt whiskey barrel. For you have 21 year. cases. One of those cases is mine, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> that happen. Yes. <laughs> no, but so let's let's go on, man, to this four grain. I'm the six year, six plus year four grain. Yeah. This is something that people can get out and about. Yeah, it's we it's limited in sense of there's only a thousand cases of it every year. So and that next round would be call it batch four comes out in February, late February, as well as the six-year-old rye, which is actually a thousand cases as well. And it it's only available. And then when they're gone, they're gone. And but from February on, it's it's usually used to stick around longer than than it than it has recently. We're sold out in Colorado right now of of both. So that's um something's never happened to us before. Really? <laughs> yeah, there'll be three months before it's it's available again in market, which it's good for us. I think it, it shows that, you know, people are paying attention. Um, six is a good year for, um, for our bonded stuff. I think you'll see stuff older than that coming in the few years. And um, we put out a nine-year-old bourbon single barrel here in, in Denver, Colorado for, for Christmas season. And it, it's gone. It was, we went in, I think a day. So, so, and it was our oldest ever we put out. And so we, that's the thing we're moving towards is like more special releases and things where we have, might have two, three barrels of it. And, and we want you to have the experience that we, we have, and we're geeky about all this stuff. So when we do an experiential barrel, it's finishing like Calvados or something. We spent a lot of time on it and they'll spend, you know, a year, two years in a French oak Calvados previously used Calvados barrel or port or something. We have those as well. Um, that's part of what keeps us engaged in all this that because we're geeks and we want to know a lot more about the stuff. So this and our legs for days. Oh yeah. It's funny to call legs in whiskey, right? But it does. And those are the oils. The rye has so much. And then the six-year-old bourbon having spent a lot more time in oak, it's, it's definitely that, that nature too. I think our, our six-year-old bourbon right now, the ones that have, have met these bond categories over the last three has like a cool banana, like Esther in it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a sweet, like, okay. So this is going to sound really, really crazy, but maybe not, but like it, it reminds me of like a, and I had some today, so that might be what I'm thinking, but I, I, I had a, like a sweet corn casserole and it was yeah. so good, but, this is like a sweet corn casserole had a baby with banana nut bread. Yeah. And it's really good. <laughs> the white spirit going into the barrels, especially rye, smells like banana bread when it hits the, the char. So it's like there's – these are things that you have to coax out of the whiskey, and it's how you make your cuts. And everyone thinks, oh, the head cut, you just do it at this, and you, well, it doesn't taste bad. It's like, no, you're looking for these little lenses. For us on the bourbon, it's like a pear apple lens. That's where we'll make our heads cut. We want that. We want, and it might only be two cups in 200 gallons, 
But after three or four years, that matters. So apple notes come through in our bourbon a lot. Um, and we're, we're shooting for that because uh, we want those notes. And um, cherry comes through as once you hit the, around the six-year level, the cherry punches through more. Our first bonded bourbons were four-year and our bonded rye was four-year. Those are discontinued. There's, a, there's some they're collector's items, I guess. now. <laughs> but I really like the four-year bonded bourbon because it didn't have as much wood in it. So the cherry wasn't as pronounced. But the grain, the fruitiness of the grain and the, all that, that's what we're going for. We're, we're trying to give you grain flavors, not overpowered by wood. Not yeah. bad, right? I'm glad you like it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And Listen, I, I cut through, I mean, I cut through 200 pours a year. It, I mean, on a conservative side, you know, just, and I know you and I, we were talking collections and I thought I was crazy with my collection. And then I found out that you're my spirit animal and you have like <laughs> double my collection after COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like I said, I'm trying to drink mine down, but it, it hit it somewhere near uh, 600 and it's definitely below 400 now. And, uh, Dude, my wife, our my neighbor. Is a trooper, man. My wife is such a trooper. She, uh, she'll just, she'll see stuff come in and she'll see a new box of like samples come in and she'll, I know, like I've got this. I've got two uh, two bookshelves full of whiskey. This whole thing full of whiskey, like four <laughs> boxes full of whiskey. Absolutely, I know this feeling. And then you have to buy special pieces of furniture for it. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is, is she's not a big whiskey person. So, you know, like I get all of this stuff in, and it's taking over the house. And you know, she's very, very supportive, which I appreciate. Um, we like to try. We call the clock. I have a special room in the house. It's all really nice, and our whole production team. We use it as a library, a flavor library, to say, "Hey, why? Why does this whiskey have this element that we really like? And how do you think they got that?" We we kind of dwell on those things and like get together. Oh, what do you think? It's recipe based. Is it like technique? Oh, what was it yeast? Like so, we go through this and we use that because we're always trying to get better, right? Our logo, you see our logo, right? Oh, I have that on my arm too, right? So <laughs> it, it's infinity, right? Up and down, it's time crossed with multiple processes, art, technique. And it's that's where our whiskey, it's like we always are trying to get better and we always pay homage to time because time matters in whiskey. Anyone that tells you it doesn't is wrong. And it doesn't mean that age is everything, but... It's something. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It, it, to say that you know a four year isn't you know is isn't something better than something that's six months old. Like you're saying earlier, something young. It just doesn't have the elements of whiskey yet, and, and we had to wait a long time. We're a little bit lucky here in Colorado because what might take five years or six years, and I think six to nine and. Kentucky is the is an absolute sweet spot for bourbon. I love that stuff. I don't need to go to 15 because I love the that. That's amazing. But in, in Colorado, it's less time because we don't we have the same temperature swings. We get really we're in a desert. We're an upper mountain desert, right? But yeah. we're right against the mountains here. So the barometric pressure swings make our barrels pump like a heart because it doesn't go slow really? when it goes up and down. It, it happens erratically during the day. It even affects our distillation runs. We know if something's supposed to take six hours and we're five and a half in and we're not even close, 
you just go look on, pull up the, the barometric pressure on the computer, you can see, oh, high pressure system in, it's pushing down, and we're like maybe three, four PSI top of column. Well, that extra pressure makes the run take an extra hour and a half. So, so is, is that is that because of the elevation? Yeah. Elevation and nestled against the mountains. Nobody talks about that. Why does nobody talk about that? That's so yeah. all we hear is about the temperature in Kentucky. Why does no one talk yeah. about the elevation and the pressure? I've never so yeah. I've been doing this for yeah. years and I've never heard anyone say that. And I've met tons of people from Colorado, tons of distillers. Actually, I'd like to make a trip up there pretty soon because I've got so many people that are like, if you're ever up here, swing in. Definitely. And I've never yeah. heard anyone talk about that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, like so barometric pressure. So when you think about you put the liquid in the barrel, you tap in the bong, it's it's sealed, right? It breathes, because we all know about the angels, you know, taking their share and but it breathes in a in a restricted way, right? Yeah. So there's a temperature and there's a pressure. And then when those pressures change dramatically, and they do here a lot, and I mean this, I don't mean just for, hey, these two days it went up. I mean in the next two hours it can shoot up. And by doing that, it creates a a pressure gradient difference and it, and it makes the, the whiskey want to push into the wood further. And cause when we pop these bungs, like they puff, like they're, <laughs> there's pressure in them and you add the heat and the heat differential is very important, but it's only important seasonally, right? Like it, it, so it creates these, um, the situation where we get more out of the barrels earlier. So all those, um, wood chemicals and substances are in our bourbon, sooner and we get a tremendous amount of color you can look at the bourbon and even bill bill friel my my mentor he was when he when i first sent them samples at two he's like where did this come from i'm like well these these are the whiskeys he's like no way because two-year whiskey in kentucky doesn't look anything like this and it's like well this is how our operating environment is that it's creating this And, and it's not just us like other colorado whiskeys have this as well like you just get a lot out of the barrels that's why I don't like, I'm not a big fan of, of small barrels or things like that. People do what they want to do. I don't like those, but if you did those in Colorado, it would just turn into toothpicks pretty quick. Cause you're going to extract a lot. And when we look at the red line in our barrel staves <laughs> after four years, <laughs> like we're, we're fairly deep. We're like over halfway into the, into the wood that the red lines in a stave. When you look on it on the side, it's the, how is this line that shows you how deep the whiskey went into the wood? Well, ours goes really deep, really quickly. And that's because of the, the, the pressure gradient change. And we get all the same heat and things. We heat our warehouses, so we never fall below 60. So our barrels are always working. They're not going to go fallow when they fall low. Because heat and chemical reactions is important, right? So if yeah. the barrels are warm, then they're, they're continually active. If they're cold, they're not active. And that's okay, too. That gives them a rest, and they do different things. And I was always taught that, you know, in Kentucky, was it years? How many summers some, some barrels saw? And that's important. I totally understand what that is after years. We did experiments with using containers, and we put our barrels in the containers through the summer. And in our high desert kind of conditions, we get to 115 degrees in those containers. Those barrels were pretty sweet. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So yeah. that, that's crazy just how, how those peaks and pressure change the way the whiskey moves in and out. And so so it almost it, it treats it. I mean, it's it's similar but different to that to those temperature fluctuations in Kentucky. And so you're saying it goes not only do you guys get those temperature fluctuations, but then you have 
temperature shifts based on the elevation that further changes the way that the whiskey. Yeah, it's so interesting. And that might be why some of that bourbon that you have coming out of the north is so darn good. Because classically, we've thought, you know, oh, Kentucky is the place, Kentucky is the place, it's the temperature, it's the temperature. And now you have something totally unique to yourselves that that you have temperature swings. But now you also have these pressure swings that changes every aspect of the whiskey and makes it its own thing and makes it unique. It is. It's a definitely an environmental influence. And we use the word terroir. It's a wine word. If people go, oh, that's not for whiskey. It absolutely is whiskey. I did. I just had legs for days. You're, yeah. you're safe with me. That's right. Exactly <laughs> but you have like you have so you have um, grain has terroir where it's grown, the type of varietal matters, and then how it's made. Um, the natural yeast we're using open air fermentation. We're definitely following traditional um, standard. We're not we're not trying to cut corners in any way, and we're definitely using open air, double distilled. Um, everything we make is sour mash, whether it's rye, our rye is all sour mash rye, um, our wheat whiskey is too, even our, even, yeah, even our malt whiskey that we make is on grain. So most do not make it that way. It's not, and that adds a whole bunch of extra elements to it. But then you add to that, the water we use to cut, to go into the barrel is mineral water from Colorado. It's Eldorado Springs. Well, it's. It seems like we're not the only people that appreciate it, man. With, shout out to Whiskey Straight Up. Thanks for watching. Uh, they seem to like it too, and they are another great uh, whiskey outlet. If you're following us and not following them, you should also be following them. So, Well, thank you all. That's really good. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it seems like you guys have a, a, quite a bit of fans. <laughs> well, we're, we're hoping, yeah. We've been doing it for nine and a half years, and we are growing fairly decently, and we are entering the Florida market very soon in 2021. Well, that's exciting. We're out of Tampa. So we're, we're looking forward to it and sharing it with our partners because it's good stuff, man. And it's, I get sent a lot of young stuff. Yeah. Um, Some of it's, some of it's all right. Some of it's, I've never really had a whiskey I wouldn't drink. It's just what I would prefer more or less. And it does depend on time of year and all this sort of stuff. And sometimes I can really, I can really get after a young two-year-old whiskey in the summer. It's got, you well, know, maybe a used barrel, so it's almost like it's like a nicely oxidized and aged moonshine. It goes good with a beer. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to try stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of just a lot of uh, the craft spirits business and and and, yeah. and the established stuff. Like I, I'm obviously with the collection that I have, like. Um, I'm interested in it and it's, it's part of our journey, right? Like how we go about doing yeah. it. And I, I, knew, I know you asked me earlier before we got on about what I do and I don't use the term I very much because it isn't, we really do run it like a village. It don't matter if you're in administration or you're in sales or you're in production or if you're on the bottling line, um, everyone contributes something to this and that's the, the nature of, of our culture. So we're, and we have, a lot of obsessive people in our, in our <laughs> well, that is very cool, man. Well, I listen, man, I, I appreciate And it's interesting. I usually try to keep these things at exactly 30 minutes, but I've just had such a good time talking to you. The whiskey has been so great. Uh, I mean, just your insight has been phenomenal. The passion that you share has been great. Uh, I have had a great time talking to you. I would love to have you on again uh, here in the near future if you guys are interested. 
I would I would love to come on. I would bring on some of our production people too if you want to get geeky and get Yeah, questions. let's do that. I would love to because a lot of our a lot of the people here they love to hear the technical side of it. So that would be phenomenal. But man, thank you so much for being on. Uh guys, if you have not heard of Law's Whiskey or or uh gotten to try it, Denver, Colorado, man, it is phenomenal. It is very good stuff. Even their younger stuff drinks significantly older than it is. It's very, very good. Um, Alan, thank you for sharing your passion and your story with us and the story of Law's Whiskey. Um, you, Greg. Excellent, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we hope you get a chance to try some of this delicious, delicious whiskey. Um, tune in with us next Wednesday for Whiskey Wednesday. Um, almost every Wednesday, if you if we don't make an announcement, we're probably taking that week off. We take every every six or seven weeks off so we can catch our breath and get our schedule back up. But uh, guys, please try this. If you get a chance, if you're in any of the States where it's available, if not, if you're taking a trip to Colorado, swing in, take a tour, try it out. Stuff is absolutely ridiculous. Take a couple bottles home with you, share it with your friends and get your local liquor stores to request it because this stuff is nuts. Um, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Alan. Everyone have a great night and cheers. Thanks, Greg. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Whiskey Culture Podcast. We'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Whiskey Willies, David off of Geneva, and Dark Door Spirits. Thanks for all your support. And if you'd like to support us as well, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Thank you guys so much. See you next time.